0: Today is July 30th, 2020. We are still in lockdown, at least some of us are, because of this pandemic and we find ourselves in the midst of the largest upheaval in race relations for some time. And on the bright side, we find ourselves in the largest civil rights movement of our time and in world history. And as we talk about how black lives matter and anti-racism, how to attack it, my book is launching. I spend a lot of time talking about the connection between black lives and black livelihoods. My book couldn't come out at a better time. It's called No Thanks, Seven Ways to Say I'll Just Include Myself, A Guide to Rockstar Leadership, for women of color in the workplace. You can pre-order your download for Kindle right now by going to my website, lmichellesmith.com, and click on the big pop-up that pops up. The paperback and the download will be released on August 10th. I'll put the print version on pre-order next week, so look for that. And then also look for the audiobook voiced by yours truly in the fall. We're also planning some exciting author events for you to attend virtually, so stay tuned for that. And you know what? If you are not a woman of color, don't feel like you're left out. I believe there's something in there for you as well, whether you're a corporate leader that wants to work as an ally or someone who just wants to understand, or if you are someone who has felt left out at any point in time. I encourage you to get your hands on the book. But I also want to talk about something that's inside the book that was highlighted in this upcoming Throwback Thursday, which was episode 44 with Natasha Bowman, the workplace doctor. She is a speaker and author and also a diversity, equity, and inclusion advocate. Ladies, how many times have you started to build your personal brand outside of the office, inside of the office, and at some point, someone gets uncomfortable because you're shining too brightly. Not because you're out there doing something for yourself necessarily. It may be on behalf of that very company. In other respects, you may be Doing something completely unrelated to your work, but they're still in your Kool-Aid, and they're still saying, what's she doing? Why is she doing it? It's just too much. I explain why these things happen in my book, but I want you to hear from Natasha first, and you can hear her story, and she's struggled and overcome so much, and at some point, she was one of the statistics that you hear about when women of color just leave corporate and go out on their own because they're sick of the BS. One thing I love about my coaching practice is listening to my clients and hearing the trends over and over and over again. You know, it's one thing to see in black and white in the research that women of color have it differently than men in the workplace, but it's also Something to hear it firsthand over and over again and know that it's just not you. Natasha is one of the most credible experts in HR and workplace matters. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Miss Natasha Bowman. She's the workplace doctor. Hey, y'all. This is Culture Soup, where tech, culture, and business collide. It's a podcast that spoons up everything hot from social media. I'm your host, L. Michelle Smith, and each episode we bring you some of the most notable and not yet notable thought leaders in tech, business, and culture. The year was 2016 i had been on LinkedIn since 2007. That's a long time. (laughs) But there was someone who dropped into my DMs about that time that told me about an organization called Lead 360. It was Dr. Eric Winston Walton. I didn't know him, but at the time he was telling me about his publication and how he might be interested in featuring me. This is about the time that I started speaking regularly and I was on the circuit pretty frequently towards the end of 2016. And if you let Dr. Eric tell you, he probably thinks I was avoiding him. I was not. I just didn't know how to answer him. I didn't see myself in the way that he saw me. Ultimately, he wanted to feature me in the publication. What I didn't want to do was get in trouble with my employer. They had certain people they wanted in strategic publications. And this was the type that I just knew that they'd rather have an officer or something like that in. Anyway, fast forward to 2018. Dr. Eric is in my DMs again, and he's telling me about a summit, something they're going to have in Dallas the following year. Well, I was speaking still like crazy. This time, I had more time to read up on Lead360. It's an awesome organization. They pour into middle managers and general managers at Fortune 500s, especially um, managers and general managers of color. And hoping to fill the pipeline to leadership. You know, that's exactly what I like to support. So I stayed in contact with Dr. Eric. And before long, he invited me to be on the faculty of LEAD 360. Then he started to introduce me to other faculty members. As time went on, there was a webinar that they hosted that featured me with a preview of the session that I would lead in Atlanta later that year, in 2019, this year. When he did so on LinkedIn, some of the other faculty members started to reach out and connect on the platform. Enter Natasha Bowman, a.k.a. The Workplace Doctor. This lady, I'd already seen her in my feeds. Because of this friendly algorithm and because she has so many followers and so many followers in common with me, her face constantly popped up in my newsfeed before we even connected. Since then, we both spoke at the Lead360 Combine in June of this year. And she did a win talk. And it was amazing. Win talks are a lot like TED Talks. And she told her story. Afterwards, I went up to her and finally met her in person. She was as thrilled to meet me as I was to meet her. And we vowed to stay in touch. We've since been in touch. She is the workplace doctor. She's an author. She's a speaker. And she is also a d advocate. Ladies and gentlemen, Natasha Bowman founder and president of Performance Renew, a.k.a. The Workplace Doctor. Hey everybody, I'm so excited that I have Natasha Bowman on the line with me, otherwise known as The Workplace Doctor. (coughs) This lady is a heavy, let me tell you. Sometimes she's an interim chief people officer at some of these workplaces you go to, big corporations, when they're in between trying to find the top HR person. But she's also into leadership development and career development for people in the workplace trying to navigate their way from, let's say, you know, a mid-manager job to maybe the C-suite. Hey, Natasha. Yes, yes. Hi, everyone. Thank you for having (laughs) me. Absolutely. And you know, I talked a little bit about this in the monologue ahead of us, but we met as a result of LEAD 360. We're both faculty members.
1: Yes, we are. Yes. I love LEAD 360 and getting the opportunity to meet so many people that, you know, I've been talking to and having online relationships with the connections. So I was so excited to finally meet you in person. Absolutely. And
0: you did one of the uh, win Talks which is um, Uh 360's um, spin on TED Talks, and we Mm -hmm. got to hear your story, and it was fascinating. Oh, thank you, thank you so much. Yeah, well, we'll get a little deeper into your story in a minute, but first, what do you say we have a culture soup moment? All right. Awesome, Natasha. Okay, (laughs) so, I'm looking through the threads, and as always, Mm -hmm. career never disappears as a Mm -hmm. topic in the threads, and of course, the hotbed for this is LinkedIn. whether you're a recruiter looking for someone or if you're you know someone in the workplace who is either trying to position Mm -hmm. themselves for Mm -hmm. you know leadership positions inside your company or maybe even the next thing outside of your company Mm -hmm. it's like it's non-stop LinkedIn is like the new hot place online don't you think it is Mm -hmm. it is I mean it's It's how I met you
1: yeah, it's the, it's the up-and-coming social media platform, but here's the thing, I always knew that. I yes. was one of the first users on LinkedIn, I think I joined in 2008, 2009, um, and just really have used it to its optimal ability, which you're seeing people use it for now. Um, so while I was on LinkedIn, um, you know, I connected with my peers, my fellow HR professionals, business leaders, and then really just started sharing content, you know putting what they call thought leadership out there, mm-hmm. writing posts and articles. And through that, I was able to grow my company through LinkedIn and LinkedIn alone before I even knew that's what I wanted wow, to do. Awesome. I was just you know full-time employed um, and just throwing things out there. And it happened organically. Right. And through that platform, I've been able to grow this successful consulting firm with no marketing, no emails, no anything, just people coming to me because for the past decade I have been utilizing the platform just to show my subject matter expertise. So when you talk about culture, that's the new culture, you know, a professional is using LinkedIn. Like you said, whether you are trying to navigate your way up your career ladder, but then your current organization, other organizations, or if you're looking to transition out of organizations into entrepreneurship, If you're not on LinkedIn today, you need to get on there now and start, you know, positioning yourself as your subject matter expert in your respective
0: industry. I I can really relate to that. That's really awesome, too. I was one of the first users as well. And this is long before they had updates, you know, how we can actually Mm -hmm. post updates now and kind of Mm -hmm. stay in the faces of the people that we're trying to connect with. This is mm-hmm. before there was any idea around live broadcasting or oh, video. Yes. You can forget all yes. of that. So yes. it's amazing that you were able to, and this is just the power of the platform. I want people to hear mm-hmm. this. Build your business on LinkedIn mm-hmm. without the whistles and bells. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Without the
1: whistles and bells, it was, you know, first making the connections. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people make the mistake of not doing that first. I've seen people try to leverage LinkedIn um, to grow their business, but what they fail to do is to make the connections first. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm often saying, you know, I'll even send people a note, you know, we've written this great book or you have this great idea, this great online course, but you just kind of wake up one morning. We haven't seen you in months. You (laughs) haven't put anything out there. (laughs) (laughs) And you wake up like, oh, hey guys, I published this book. You should probably go buy it. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you should have been teasing this book for months going in. You should have been making connections, getting us so anxious. Mm -hmm. We couldn't wait Mm -hmm. for it to be, you know, but, you know, create that expertise. And I think people, again, are making the mistake of just waking up one morning and trying to be the top this, the top that, but they're not organically growing their audience
0: and their following.
1: Um, So it's a great platform, but you have To use it in the right way. Absolutely.
0: You use the word connection. I want to talk about that a bit. And (laughs) you're not just talking about, oh, gee, link with me. You're talking about nurturing a relationship, right?
1: That's right. That's right. Exactly. And so I have over 50,000 followers on LinkedIn right now. Mm -hmm. But you know what? The way I say it, I could care about that number. If I have an ongoing relationship, Mm -hmm. professional relationship with 10 of those... That's really all I need to grow my business Mm -hmm. because my business has been grown just through word of mouth, Mm -hmm. you know. So, again, developing the relationship. Um, Most of my decision makers are top HR leaders at organizations. You know, they follow my expertise. We've engaged in conversation, you know, and they realize that we have the same perspective on topics. They're looking to bring someone in. They bring me in. I'm able to show results with their organization and then the word spreads. Right. So it's all about relationship, you know, building. It's not for likes. It's not for follows. That number is nothing if you're not using for whatever your purpose is. So you've really got to under, you know, you had a great guest on, Mm -hmm. um, Cher Jones a couple months ago. She's also on the balcony, right? 360. And she said the perfect thing, you know, don't post and ghost, you know, so, you know, is developing those relationships, interacting. And again, that relationship will turn into that
0: professional relationship that you want. Well, I skimmed over your prolific credentials when I introduced you, but I (laughs) wish that you would share with the folks out there that are listening a little bit more about what you do and why they call you the workplace doctor.
1: Okay, well, um, just a little bit of background. My ongoing joke is that I'm from L.A., and I love the the looks that I get from that, which is lower Alabama. I love it. Born and raised, and um, I went to law school at the University of Arkansas. And while I was there, I worked for Walmart Stores Incorporated they um headquartered there. And it was at a time when Walmart was going through some tumultuous employment practices. They had class action suits and things like that. And I was able to transition from the legal side to the HR side and work on a team that really transformed Walmart's culture, where you really don't hear their name a whole lot when it comes to bad employment mm-hmm. practices we looked at the pay policies the culture things like that and um, they transitioned me to new york to be the head of hr for stores here and i transitioned from that to healthcare. and how i got that moniker was that i've been able to go in and out of organizations and diagnose some of the issues and barriers to success and organizations, workplace culture, and remove those barriers. And, um, you know, and and ultimately be able to get results for those organizations, Mm -hmm. whether it's improving employee engagement, reducing turnover, being able to recruit and maintain maintain a um, diverse workplace. Mm -hmm. So, so one day, somebody said, I walked into an organization, they had all these open EEOC lawsuits and labor campaigns and things like that. And I was able to put together a strategy for them to remedy that. And two years later, they realized they had gone six months with just quiet. Wow. You know, no open lawsuits, awesome. no arbitrations. <laughs> and they were like, wow, we can get so much more done yeah. if we're not having to deal with all of these employee and labor relations issues. And they said, you know, it's like the workplace doctor, you came and healed us. <laughs>
0: And so I love that it. just kind of stuck. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I ran with it. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. I love it. Now, you talked about barriers to success in companies. Mm-hmm. Um, employee engagement or lack thereof can be one. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You even talked about diversity inclusion issues. Are there others?
1: Um, yeah. So, you know, it's, you know, you, you have to, what I like to go through when I go to an organization is to really look at, the employee life cycle Mm -hmm. from the moment they enter the organization to the moment that they leave and understand where were their areas of vulnerability where people may be, um, you know, that are barriers them to be able to have promotion and access mm-hmm. to opportunity. And oftentimes, we often focus on you know recruitment, you know especially when it comes to diversity. Let's, let's recruit this diverse workforce, but we tend to ignore some of the challenges and barriers that underrepresented groups experience once they're through the door. Right. So what I like to do is go through, look at the benefits, look at who's being promoted. Is there a group of people leaving faster than other groups? Um, go Going through and looking at each touch point within that life cycle and diagnosing and understand where there could be opportunities mm-hmm. um, to do a transformation there. So, I mean, the list goes on and on of what those opportunities could be, and it varies by organization and varies by industry. Um, but I think a lot of times we focus too much on just the recruitment part mm-hmm. and not really the experience once
0: you've been recruited to the organization. Right. So you spend a lot of time looking at that pipeline. Yeah. Do you see mm-hmm. any trends when it comes to women um, mm-hmm. at certain mm-hmm. points in our careers where we just kind of fall off? You know, I came from yes. a Fortune 10, and mm-hmm. I mean, who was just, phenomenal in diversity and Mm -hmm. inclusion but still was struggling with this one thing right Mm -hmm. when you got to about a level three that women start dropping off and Mm -hmm. it's somewhere around you know the time frame in their lifestyle you know whether they're Mm -hmm. having children or maybe they're hitting some kind of glass ceiling depending Mm -hmm. on where they were in the company are you seeing that Absolutely. Everybody's saying that, you know, we are just
1: celebrating because we have more women CEOs and Fortune 500 companies than we ever have. But yet that number is still yes. very, very, very low. low. You know, it's really nothing to be celebrating. Mm-hmm. Um, and and because that's continues to be the trend, you know, whether you're having to decide, do I want my career? Or do I want my family? And it's not necessarily that your bar- your family is a barrier to your ability to advance it's the assumption Mm -hmm. that it will be so a lot of times organization leaders you'll say oh you'll come in oh i'm pregnant or you know i'm looking to get married and their head is "Uh uh-oh well, she's not going to be as committed and loyal right. as she was. Right. I even found myself saying as my career started to go on the trajectory that it was going on, my husband and I made, made the determination, he's a school teacher that he would stay home and raise the kids and take care of the household um, so that I would never have to decide, you know, between, oh, do I stay home with my mm-hmm. child or do I go to work or those Types of things, and um, and I found myself saying, you know, as I'm going through my career progression, oh, I've got my husband at home, don't have to worry about me rushing yes, home, out. Uh-huh. don't to worry about me ever calling in with a sick child, right? And I was like, but why do I have to say that? Because I know how to balance both and of into into them, that, that,
0: don't, don't we? We buy into
1: it. it. And then I thought about it. In what favor am I doing other females that don't have that luxury? You know, am I saying because I do that this person that does is going to be an issue because they got to go home. So we find ourselves making that choice, you know, delaying um, our ability to start a family or making a choice between certain things. And then there is a, Part of the career path where you're absolutely right, and I think we're still trying to diagnose it where we just get stuck mm-hmm. where we are just still not seen as the seen as a face of leadership quite right. yet. and um, we've got a you know it's unconscious bias, mm-hmm. you know it's again those gender assumptions there are severe, there are a lot of reasons why we're hitting the glass ceiling. We're starting to crack it um which is good news but we've continued uh, continue to work um through just breaking through it and women of color are are having uh even more difficult Absolutely. time Although we're the most educated population yes. demographic, um, we're still, you know, having opportunities reaching leadership positions. But that's why you find more women of color than ever are leaving the workplace because of the lack of recognition and value or leaving the
0: workplace and starting our own business. Absolutely. You know, that's core of the book that I'm working on right now, um, uh, the foundation around the Catalyst research that finally came um, and, and called us the double outsider because Don't of go. the power wow. stru- structure that's there. That is white and is male. But then also um, the Women in the Workplace Study from um, the Lean In Organization in McKinsey that mm-hmm. came out a couple years before and had a couple follow-ups um, up until about 2017 that pointed to, for the first time, microaggressions and unconscious biases mm-hmm. as one of those things that hold women of color back. Um, mm-hmm. And explicitly calling out black women, since mm-hmm. you know we have it a little tougher than everyone else, even in the pay gap situation. yes, mm-hmm. but you know what's Absolutely. interesting I think sometimes we feed into it, yeah, um, not just as women of color but as as women. Um, mm-hmm. I had a woman ask me, and I'm a mom in chief. Uh you know I travel all the time even when I was in the fortune nine I was traveling all over the place and then Mm -hmm. I started my own business outside of the organization so I was doing Mm -hmm. it all but this person says to me I don't know how you do it and my response to her was I probably do it like you do I have support yeah and there was quiet it's like support Mm -hmm. comes in all forms you know whether it's a husband whether it's a sister whether it's a grandparents Uh or whatever it Uh might be Uh we feed into that we don't really mean it and know it and don't realize how we're chipping away at the understanding that we can be in positions of power despite our situations.
1: You agree? Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And and I had, um, lucky for me, I had that realization at a very, very young age, you know, and I was able to accomplish a lot of things before I turned 40 because I refused to fall victim mm-hmm. um, to those literal assumptions yeah. about my gender, my race, even my demographic of being a Southerner. Mm-hmm, you know, I was mm-hmm. intimidated when I got to New York City, you know. Oh, I've got this accent. People won't take me seriously. I would drive and practice speaking what I thought oh, was right, eliminating <laughs> my accent. Uh-huh. And, you know, but when I had that realization that I bring significant value yes. to organization. I've invested a lot in my growth, my education, and um, I have what it takes to, 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 to contribute successfully to an organization. When I dropped all those fears and yeah. all of those assumptions and was able to be my true, and we hear this all the time here, and it's really the truth, my true, authentic yes, self. absolutely. Right? to include the curly hair yes, and everything all of else that goes all along it. with it, um, that's when I was able to thrive mm-hmm. because all of my energy was being put into providing value rather than being an imposter. I yeah. no longer was going to fall um, victim to the imposter syndrome. So you take me or leave it. I'm okay with it. If you don't, I will go somewhere else and contribute value there. That's your loss, right. not mine. Right. And when I had that understanding with myself and had that agreement. with myself, then I was able to thrive both inside and outside of the workplace.
0: So we talked a little bit offline before about Mm -hmm. the book that I'm writing, but it does Mm -hmm. delve into that aspect of understanding your value. That Mm -hmm. sounds like that was the gateway for you to even become Mm -hmm. or even realize that your Southern accent was that Mm -hmm. differentiator that was also valuable in your diversity. Yes, is exactly. that And it
1: was so funny because when I was in New York, I found myself, I was working for a large healthcare system, and they were sending me to organizations to have difficult conversations with employees. Um, you know, well sorry, other sites to have difficult conversations with employees, you know, whether it was a reduction in force or anything else. And I was like, why me? And they said, because you got a velvet punch. Yes. You know, people feel a little bit more comforted by mm-hmm. your accent and the way you deliver, but you know how to get your point across. So again, that was an... Um, a characteristic or trait about myself that i thought would be a barrier but ended up being a strength so that's what we all have to do we have to rethink those things we think are barriers we those things that we think you know those fears we have to rethink well how can i utilize the reutilize this and retool this to be a strength absolutely
0: At the Dallas Mavericks um, headquarters on last Wednesday, a part of a speaker series. Yeah. yeah, and we talked about authenticity and authentic leadership, and you just mm-hmm. you just um, went in on a point that's very important around mm-hmm. that negative self talk, and mm-hmm. some of it comes from our cultural mm-hmm. backgrounds. Even yes. even when it comes to oh gee, what do people think about my southern accent, right? Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. I have a mentor who is just the most phenomenal executive coach ever, Trudy Bourgeois, Mm -hmm. who calls it the Mm itty-bitty committee. And she says it's that itty-bitty committee in your head that tells Mm -hmm. you all of these things that really don't have any place or any really substance to them. And when you Mm -hmm. question them, nine times out of ten, if not all the time, you're going to figure out that it really just came from nowhere. You just thought of Mm -hmm. it we're making up stories in our yeah. heads. <laughs> so how did you get past it? You know, I just
1: I found myself putting more energy and to the focusing on what I thought would be a barrier to my success, mm-hmm. you know, I was focusing on that. Like, oh my gosh, what are they? What are they gonna think about me being a southern? What are they gonna think of me not having a Ivy League degree? Even my age, mm-hmm. you know, I can't be the top of HR and I'm just 30 years old or this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember uh, when I first started teaching at Georgetown University, I was literally 32 years old, and I'm like, oh my gosh, they're gonna be like, who is this woman? Right? I'm standing at five mm-hmm. foot two. I'm young you know and i walked in saying they've made a horrible mistake i'm gonna get a call from the dean tonight to say sorry you know you're not the right one i told myself i was gonna be okay with it what's my response and um i think the defining moment was i did get a call from the dean but that call was wow your students were so impressed by you and i just wanted to let you know that and i found myself being the top rated um Teacher that semester, awesome. that first semester of teaching, I was like, Why did I tell myself all that? What was I fearful right. of? Why was I doubtful? And so so going forward, when I walked into situations, I would say, whatever fear and doubt was going through my head, I always question that. Is this yeah. true? Is this something that is really the truth? You know, something I need to address, you know, or is it something that I, the stories that I'm making up in my head about myself? So I always go through that exercise. And sometimes there are things that realistically, I'm saying, you know what? You do have to work on this. And mm-hmm, so before mm-hmm. you pitch that client, you do need to do right. this. So I am constantly tuning myself up. But I'm also, you know, getting a, uh, uh, making sure that I'm clearing away all that
0: unnecessary Absolutely. noise. in my And head you know so. what? As women of color, especially, there are things that we have felt in the workplace that we knew mm-hmm. to be real. And it wasn't mm-hmm. until 2017 when we got those those surveys that somebody put that data mm-hmm. on paper that people began mm-hmm. to believe us. Mm-hmm. So on the one mm-hmm. hand, these things are real. On the other hand, you can't go in assuming that that's the first yeah. thing that's going to hit you. you agree? Uh, te- definitely agree.
1: Uh, but I still think, you know, although it was addressed in white papers and things like that, I, I do think that we have been left out of a lot of the advocacy. Um, you know, if you think about even the Me Too and Time's Up mm-hmm. movement, that wasn't our faces that no. we saw. Um, so we still um, are waiting for our true time when our challenges will be brought to the forefront of, of, of organizations and there's some real action that will be taken i'm still waiting on that um and it, it, because it's quite different yeah we were included in the me too and times so, but there was another layer of that Absolutely. you know so one, when you're being sexually harassed and racially discriminated at the same yes. time that's that intersection and double whammy Absolutely. that was not addressed during that and, and we weren't the face of that Absolutely. so um I'm still waiting um, for that movement to come Mm -hmm. so that we can see there was a lot of progression that was made after the Me Too and Time's Up, lots of legislation, especially like here in California, other places that addressed those issues. I'm waiting for more legislation to come down to address not just women of color, but what people of color are experiencing um, in the workplace as well.
0: Natasha, you stood on that stage in Atlanta, Georgia, and did your win talk, and everyone was just engrossed in what you were saying. You told a very compelling story, and you know, I tell people all the time, your power and your value is in your story, Mm -hmm. and there are keys Mm -hmm. to your future in your story. So tell us something about Natasha. Um, you have oh, an amazing I story. a lot of stories. <laughs> <that>. <laughs> but, but as a little girl, you overcame some struggles.
1: I did. I, as a child, and I think this mm-hmm. helped with my resiliency as an adult. Um, I was born with um, a heart disease um, and struggled with that for the first decade of my life, and um, was told at uh, 11 years old that I had six months mm-hmm. to live. And, um, and that was after, you know, you have a motherly intuition. My mother knew that my heart condition was contributing to my illness, but my pediatric cardiologist, um, didn't believe her, you know, she forcefully made her way to the doctor's office. And that's when it was determined I had six months to live. And I always wondered what would have happened if my mother just believed what they Mm -hmm. said you know, didn't bring me, and I, I would not be here. So I think that experience, could you know, kind of attributes to my way of thinking now because it's kind of the what wow. if what if i don't speak up what if i don't take the leap and do something bold and dynamic that's never been done before you never know what, what right. will happen so i think experiencing that as a youth and as a child and that really didn't resonate to later in my life that impacted had on my life it, it's really shaped who i um am now and you know that wasn't the first challenge i would face <laughs> in my life um You know, again, I've I've, um, faced a lot of the challenges that many face, again, in the workplace from racial discrimination, gender discrimination um, as well. Um, You know, I went to law school as a single mother, you know, so that was a challenge, you know, and um, even the transition from working full time to entrepreneurship was um, a challenge as well. I didn't have a supportive Mm -hmm. boss, you know, that supported me as I was writing my first book and out there on a book tour, you know, so there, you know, there's a lot of power in storytelling. Even when I'm on LinkedIn, I try to tell my personal stories and be as transparent as I can possibly Mm -hmm. be to say. When you see me, you may think, oh, yeah, she's got together, she's done this, she's done that. No, there were a lot of disappointments um, in the background of all of that. And I try to inspire people by telling my story of all of my disappointments, all of my challenges that I faced along the way to say, you can do it, too. What you're going through now may seem like it's your um, defining moment, but it's not. You're going to make it through this, and you're going to look back at that. You're not going to regret that you, you know, went through it because it's going to make you stronger as it has for me. You know, so those denials, those rejection letters, you know, terminations, all of those are just part of your story. But you get to write with the ending of that story Absolutely. is. Don't let anyone else write it for Absolutely.
0: you. Absolutely. And those stories and those outcomes help you to silence <laughs> that committee, won't it? Yes, <laughs>
1: exactly. <laughs> I had a, a
0: client once say. Uh, no, it was a coaching, coaching, a, I was on a, a coaching course, and it's a, a colleague that said, you know what, I was thinking that I couldn't do X, Y, and Z, but then I remembered with the help of God, I beat an aneurysm, mm. and you know, everybody on the call was like, and you That's know right. what, you can beat this too, <laughs> you know? That's right, yeah. yeah it really puts things That's in perspective. Like,
1: mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: Definitely. 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 Right.
1: perspective. Absolutely. That's like facing death, that was Right. Definitely, for a lot in person. Absolutely.
0: Tasha, what new projects do you have going on right
1: now? What are you working on that you can talk about? I'm so excited, and you'll be the first to hear this. um, Two new projects. I'm working on my second book. So um, I did a TED Talk, actually, um, back in March, The Power of One, How Ordinary Actions Influence Extraordinary Mm -hmm. Change, and so I'm following up that TED Talk um, with a book. So, so excited to be working on that and um, what I'm really really excited about is that I'm planning a conference for next year to be kicked off here in New York City at Lincoln Center in March um, and it's called Impact 2020 um, Bold Conversations, Courageous Transformation and this conference will focus on the real conversations we need to be having as we transition into 2020 to really transform workplace culture and I'm hoping that we can come through and talk about everything that we've been afraid to say out loud that have been those barriers to opportunity and access. Let's talk about that. How do we address it? Let's hear from organizations that have tackled those issues, whether it's around disability, whether it's around gender, race, sexual orientation. You know, let's talk about how people, disadvantaged people, marginalized people in the workplace, what they've been experiencing, and what we can do differently going into this next mm-hmm. decade. Once we kick off in New York, we're gonna take it on tour and um, visit a few cities across the United States. So, very excited about awesome. that. This will be my first time putting it on a conference. <laughs> Be
0: on the lookout. Be of on the course. lookout. We're working we'll be working working all the for logistics you in when we can and all of that good stuff. Is there a website up yet that we could go to? It's coming. Okay. It's coming.
1: Mm-hmm. I wish I had it read, but it's, it's coming. We're just finalizing um, all the details with the location,
0: venue, okay. and all of that. So. Well, Natasha, you've come yeah. a long way from just transitioning <laughs> from corporate to entrepreneurship. <laughs> and I do want you to tell that story about you okay. know working full time in. Trying to build yes, a brand yes. at the same time. You know, mm-hmm. Um, I call myself an entrepreneur and for a while I was doing that when I was at AT&T. Um, mm-hmm. And I made sure that I was looking at the compliance and all of that good stuff and, mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. my um mentors and sponsors even inside of the business knew and it was all good. But, yep. there comes a point where your shine becomes a little bigger than they might have anticipated. But, yeah. And maybe yes, it's the absolutely. unwritten rule that comes into mm-hmm. play. So please tell your That's story. Right.
1: Yeah, so um and I haven't shared this story a lot. That was my first time sharing it in Atlanta. But um, you know, I did I realized I knew what I wanted to do. I wanted to, you know, do consulting full time and entrepreneurship. But like many, it's very hard to make that mm-hmm. leap, whether it's from a financial or other fear. So I was using every single vacation day to go out and see clients and potential clients and you know, went about two years without a real vacation day and worked hard and my organization knew what mm-hmm. I was doing and And um, I wrote the book and everybody was real excited. But at first, my boss was very much on board of what I was doing and, um, you know, very supportive. But like you said my star started to shine a little bit too Mm -hmm. bright, um, for her. And, um, I noticed that our working relationship started to Mm -hmm. shift, you know, where she started to become nitpicky of certain things, things that were perfectly fine before, you know, weren't all of a sudden. So I left for my book tour and, um, we had a very successful book tour was gone for about two weeks again on my own Mm -hmm. time. And, um, when I came back, I'll put it like this, we had to come to an agreement that it just wasn't working out yeah. anymore and um, for me to be able to balance uh, both of them. And that was fine. So I always say I'm glad that happened. You don't think that mm-hmm. in the moment, but i was glad that it happened because um, essentially I don't think I would have made the leak without mm-hmm. a nudge. And that's what that nudge was. Again, I was very fearful from, you know, you're walking away from a six-figure job. You're walking away from your benefits and everything else. I don't know if I would have completely ever walked away from that. And um, when she nudged me, I did. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it was the best decision. It was the best thing that could have happened um, because I had put in yeah. all the work. I had my clients in place. I had my platform in place. I had my relationships in place. And it has just grown exponentially since then. So, you know, I always want to encourage people, number one, I know it can be fearful to think about, you know, leaving that stability of a workplace. Uh, But, you know, as they always say, if you're not making your own dreams come true, you're making someone else. So So I choose me. (laughs) I choose me. And, um, you know, but again, you know, Always be building your model, whether it's upskilling yourself, whether it's you know going to conferences, learning, developing um, concurrently. I've been in that HR seat, and I have seen so many people, through no fault of their own, I have to go in and say, today is your mm-hmm. last day, right? nothing they've done wrong. They could be star Mm -hmm. employees. You Mm -hmm. never know. And those employees have no backup plan. They're like, what am I going to do? They're devastated because they have put 100% of themselves into that organization. Right. And so I'm always like, look, go do your job, do a great job, be a rock star. But is that organization putting 100% in you, you know, so you can never put 100% in something that you don't have 100% control absolutely. over. absolutely. What you do have 100% control over is you. So the best decision that I made, and I hope others will follow suit, and hey, my old job funded my new job, there right? You, go. So, you know, and, uh you know, build that whatever you're looking to 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 pursue. You don't have to make the leap right off, right? take it step by step, do what you can. So when it's time you're prepared, whether it's your decision, whether it's someone else's, whether it's just, you know, life circumstances, you are always prepared. It just breaks my heart. When I see people undeservingly, you know, lose their jobs, lose their stability and they have nothing yeah. else. Waiting well, you know,
0: people know my story. I was one of thousands let go. Um, but, and mm-hmm. the good news is I had a, a choice to stay um, that good mm. performance excellence, those good relationships, yep. they always come through in a pinch when you need it. But the other thing That's that right. comes through in the pinch is your reputation and your brand outside of that organization. That's right. Um, and mm-hmm. I really, my heart went out to a lot of my colleagues that just did not know what to do when they got mm-hmm. that surplus because they not only weren't going to start a business, they didn't know how to look for a job. And so I have mentees, I have Mm -hmm. coaching clients, all of them. I tell them, (laughs) I know I'm supposed to be raising questions, but my questions are going to ask you, what are you Uh doing to make sure that if someone makes a decision for you, that you're going to be okay? That's right. So you might have been in that job 15 years and it's comfy and you've got all the stocks and all Mm -hmm. of this good stuff. Mm -hmm. But what if, or... What if? What if you wanted to make your own decision one day before I right. that do? That's right. Mm-hmm. What's wrong with that? <laughs> yep, yeah,
1: exactly. Exactly. So I'm, I'm always, whoever, I'm like, you know, that's great. I don't care if you're employed to your retirement, but you don't have 100% control right. over that. So what you can control, you should be controlling Absolutely. just to make sure that your future is stabilized. Excellent.
0: You. Natasha, where can we find you online? Yeah, so
1: definitely come see me over on LinkedIn. That's where I'm posting content, the most interactive. You can just type in my name and follow me, Natasha Bowman, JBSPHR. Visit my website, performance-renew.com. I'm on Instagram and Twitter, at The Workplace Doctor. Um, and then I do. I would love for all of you to head on over to YouTube and watch my TED Talk so you can hear more about my journey and how my journey shaped what I'm doing now. So you can just um, put in YouTube,
0: the power of one, Natasha Bowman. Excellent. Natasha, I am proud to call you my friend and fellow faculty yes. member at Lee 360 <laughs> And I'm even more proud to call you my sister.
1: Oh, thank you so much. Likewise. And like I said, it was so exciting to finally meet you in person. And now that we've met, there's no stopping us now. Y'all watch
0: out. (laughs) (laughs) Combined your here. I really appreciate you, Natasha. Thanks for coming on the Culture Soup Podcast. Thank you. Bye. Bye, everyone. What a wonderful conversation with Natasha Bowman, the workplace doctor. Thank you so much. Hey, listen, that webinar that I did... The The Culture Soup Podcast is a production of No Silos Communications, LLC. The Culture Soup Podcast is a registered trademark of No Silos Communications, LLC.